Hi, my name is Jasper Sebastian. And I am Nefeli Kusu. And this is the pilot podcast of Design Lab. In this podcast, we're going to talk about one of our most eye-catching projects, the Neuro Automata, also known as the Eye Catcher. Which celebrated its very first birthday last month, December of 2020. The Neuro Automata can be seen in the TechMed Center in the University of Twente campus. And here with us, we have somebody who can really take us through the process of creating such an art piece, the project coordinator, Edo de Wolf. Hello, Edo. Hey. Well, first of all, thank you very much for uh, being here with us. And let's start with um, what is the Eyecatcher project? What is it? Okay, so in short, it's an art installation that we designed and produced for the TechMed Center. So the TechMed Center is the new, uh, it used to be called the Techno Hall. So a lot of people know it still as that, but now it's the TechMed Center. So it houses the TechMed umbrella of the university. And you have created this visual art piece entirely in Design Lab. Well, not exactly entirely. I think you have a lot more to say about the, the story behind the Eyecatcher project. But let's start from the beginning. How and when did this idea arrive in Design Lab? Because from my understanding, it's not exactly a usual project. Yeah, yeah. So it's definitely not a standard project. We In 2018, we were contacted by Ramke Buri. He is the managing director of TechMed. And he contacted us at Design Lab. And he said, hey, we're renovating this building. It's going to be the main hotspot for everything TechMed related. It's going to be the meeting point for, you know, all the staff and all the students. And we want to have something hanging in the middle of it because they have a huge atrium, like an, a huge open space. And they want it to be eye-catching. So they asked us, could you design something that would hang there and catch the person's attention and stand for what we do? And we said very enthusiastically, yeah, totally, we can do it. We had no idea what we were going to do, but these are the kind of projects I really like working on, where you start with a blank slate and then you got to figure out the way forward. And how come it was you that picked it up? Because from my understanding, you were a student at the time, right? Yes, yes. So indeed, at that point, I was working in the dream team. So the dream team of Design Lab is, for those that are listening, if you don't know, it's the students that are running Design Lab on a day-to-day basis. They also work on projects that come our way. And at that point, I was just another dream teamer who happened to be very interested in designing and producing art installations. My background in creative technology probably had to do something with it. For all the creators, you, you know we, you know what I mean? Um, to represent in the house. <laughs> So in that sense, it was also not, it's not a standard thing at Design Lab that we do. As Dream Team, we don't, you know, make artworks uh, every day or every month, every year. So I was one of the first to be asked because Frank knew that I was interested in such a thing. He said, hey, they're thinking about doing this. Would you want to be involved? And I said, yes. And I also knew a couple other Dream Teamers that would love to do it. Specifically, people that previously I worked on an art installation for Design Lab as well for the Amsterdam Light Festival. So there were those students there as well. So Yorick was one of them. And that's, yeah, how it all started. That's pretty interesting, especially since this project is done, it's finished, but we do meet a lot of the people who did it in Design Lab. And I find it very interesting, all the stories that you guys have to tell, you know, being a younger, not younger, definitely not younger, but newer dream teamer um, in Design Lab. And 
well, what when you describe this kind of project, one thing that I realized is that it's a very vague request. It is very, you know, make us something eye-catching. So how did you deal with this? Um, yeah, that's so it was a very undefined project. I think not even our client really knew what they wanted from us. They just knew that it had to be eye-catching and it had to, you know, stand for something that related to TechMed. Um, so like most of these projects, we started by trying to understand a little bit about what they wanted to do with this building and why um, this building would be so important to all these different, you know, groups and researchers and students and staff under TechMed. So that's where we started. We did some field research. We talked to researchers and professors under TechMed. We talked to some of the student associations under TechMed just to get an idea of what do they expect in this building? What is this building? What would this building mean to them? And also to understand a little bit about what TechMed deals with. And obviously TechMed is a huge umbrella. So there's a lot uh, that they do. So the first thing that we knew is that we couldn't... Um, if we, ha if we were going to be specific about a certain theme of technology, like, I don't know, something with biomedical engineering or something like that, we would be, let's say, ignoring all of the other things that are going on. So from the get-go, we knew that we couldn't be very specific. At the same time, we wanted to make sure that it related to TechMed. So we went with the theme of biology and technology because that's what they, what they deal with. Okay, so it seems like you did your research first and then settled on an idea or how did you go on selecting which kind of idea you're going to explore further so an important part of the process was as we were exploring these ideas we brought along our clients with us so we brought along Remka we brought along other people from the management team of TechMed and in this way we could have a constant dialogue so we would tell them hey we're thinking about this direction what do you think they would give us feedback and we would uh, that's how we would kind of iterate the process. In, eventually, we, we would land on a couple concepts, and these concepts we then presented to them on a final, let's say, presentation day of phase one. So the phase one was coming up with those concepts. And then they would give their feedback, and from there we would have to then, or they would have to pick one of those concepts to work with. What our strategy for that was, like any art project, depending on your client, they might want, want something very out there as an art piece. So, you know, you have people that really want something that might be very alien looking, but they love it because it's, it's you know, you can interpret it in so many different ways. But you also might, some, might have someone that wants something simple and straightforward that people would understand. The group that we had, essentially, we're leaning to more, towards more of that simple concept that, okay, it's, it's like... And it would be an organ. So one of our concepts was it's it's kind of a giant organ that we're hanging there. Everyone knows that it relates to biomedical technology in some way. But we, being, I don't know, being young students and, and also part of us, I think all of us had an inner artist that wanted to just express themselves. We try to push them into the more creative direction. So we said, you know, if we're going to think of the future of tech med, what could it look like? Um, Industry 4.0, what is the future of personalized healthcare? We should think differently, right? Mm -hmm. So maybe we shouldn't have something that's very clear when you look at it, but something that gets you thinking and wondering and imagining. And then they were like, hmm, okay, you have a point. So then our clients decided, well, then could you just combine both concepts? And 
<laughs> then we were, you know, we were super happy, but also, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we were like, okay, shit, we have to, what do we do now? So that was the, kind of how the first uh, phase went. Well, it really uh, sounds to me a lot like a lot of language from Design Lab, uh, the constant prototyping, conceptualization, and iteration, cycle after cycle. It also sounds a lot like having really good relations with the people who are involved, with your stakeholders. And I think that this is why this project, to me, from the beginning, sounded a lot like it could represent Design Lab itself. Because it's also mm. very, very big and also extremely technical. As a student, we usually associate Design Lab as the place you can make a prototype. But this seems to be a bit more than that. How, how did you go through the technical processes? How, where, where exactly was the thing built? Right, right. So... In a sense, we were very lucky that we could work on this, that Design Lab was willing to let us work on this project because indeed what we do at Design Lab is a lot of prototyping. And for this project, we weren't just going to make a prototype. We were going to deliver a product which had to last for years, but also not you know, fall on anyone's head by accident, right? Because it is hanging in the atrium where people, there's a lot of traffic. So, and as, as a student, you work on prototypes and they fall apart right after presentation day. It's always like the classic, okay, if it works, as long as it works for the presentation, we're good. And then it works and then we all clap and then it, you know, it's trashed like the next second. Somehow magically that just happens. Sounds um, very familiar to creative technology. Yeah. Yes, yes. <laughs> Actually, I have seen people taking apart all of the prototypes after the day that they were, especially in bi biomedical engineering, because they have all of these robots that they make. And we have seen uh -huh. a lot of people taking them apart and trying to salvage anything that is salvageable that hasn't been glued with like super glue somewhere. Yeah, yeah, indeed. Once once the professors leave, once you got your grade or once they've had a look, it's just like, okay, guys, take it apart. It's trash. <laughs> take the motors. Um, Save the motors. Yeah. So, so I will I will say that 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 gave me a lot of <laughs> that gave me some anxiety. It, it made me very nervous to think. Okay, well, my only experience with producing art installations in Create was making these things that just break down like after a couple of days. Are we going to be able to make something that would, you know, last years in this building and would meet all of the, of course, safety requirements and security requirements. So for that, we had to, of course, get mentors on board. So we ended up getting Edwin Dertin on board. He's an assistant professor. Maybe some of you know him. Um, and he has worked a lot on some art projects. So that was that was perfect. And he's also an engineer, right? He, he has a background in engineering. He's also an engineer. Yes, definitely. And we also needed, however, someone that could certify what we were doing, right? Someone that could just observe what we were doing, double check that we're doing things safely, and then kind of put their stamp on it. So for that, we got Vout Spheres. Uh, Vout Spheres is also an artist engineer, and he has his own studio, Wow Labs, in Enschede. And he's worked with Edwin before, so it was also kind of a perfect uh, match. Both of them were really great mentors. They both gave a, a very valuable advice along the way. And that's how we made sure that what we were doing as students, being chaotic, you know, new, <laughs> excited students, that we weren't going to make something that exploded a month later. What I understand is like you reached out to the adults, let's say. No, let's, let's not put it that way. You reached out to different departments in UT and to yeah. outside laboratories to work together. Yes. 
Yeah. Okay, and how did you come up with the little artworks that are on the piece? Because we, we talk a lot about the artwork of it, because but I know that there is a very interesting, almost cell-like artwork that is mm. illuminated from behind. It's a very interesting piece if anybody is ever, if we're allowed outside again and somebody is in the building, you can see that it has this kind of beautiful shell-like structure. Mm. How did that come along? So that's something that we did actually in-house. That's some, one of the things that I was very proud of in the team. We had Diana and Lubo and Anamik. And what they explored for, I think it was a couple months even, was how to create these cell-like looking, not drawings, but yeah, canvases of paint and resin put together and ink and oil and alcohol that you would get this this very cool effect that looked like you were looking at cell structures cellular structures under a microscope even though it's it's made artificially in front of you on a table so they basically explored those concepts for for a very long time uh, we actually were inspired by an artist that did something similar we might have been trying to replicate his work early on just to see if we could you know naively reproduce his work because it looked amazing obviously we couldn't because that artist was in his own world but we ended up i think creating our own very nice effects. And yeah, so without giving away too much of the illusion, we what we did was we had to capture that very dynamic moving paintwork in a format that of course would be fixed, right? So we for that we had to backlight it and we actually used a camera. And by doing so, we actually figured out that we could zoom in onto certain parts and have even more images that look very cool. So where we thought we were stuck because we said, okay, we can't, you know, we can't capture what we see now. It's going to melt away tomorrow. Uh, we ended up finding a different way to capture it. But in doing so, actually, we created thousands, actually hundreds of thousands of images of, of artwork that we had to then pick from. So we had like a session where we had to go through all of those images and pick. And it was just very hard because you had, you know, like 20 images, which were all kind of the same. But then like the blue circle at the top corner was like a little bit down and, and the green was a little bit cooler on the other one. And we had to just pick from that for what we would put in the installation in the end. That is really interesting. And it seems to be more specifically art. Though we do know that there is a lot of shaping and they're different. I, I, I call them eggs. I'm sorry for that. I don't know if that is correct <laughs> per se, but they look like eggs or pods. And I think it's the yeah. first the first thing that somebody can really see when you enter the design lab, the space itself, are these pods because their first prototypes are standing in a table there. So yeah. how how did you come around constructing those? So those pods we used to call blobs at the very beginning. But eventually I thought, okay, you know, if we say blobs to our clients, I <laughs> don't know if that sounds professional enough. So we have to, we need to think of another word that just sounds more professional. You know, we can't go, go well, to them. Even and... egg sounds better than <laughs> blobs, actually. Eggs is a little bit better, but still wasn't quite there. I mean, if we go there and we're saying, yeah, we're making five eggs to hang <laughs> in TechMed. I don't know how that comes across, right? So eventually we landed on the word pods. I forget, I think it was with Edwin, Der with Edwin our mentor. We were talking to him and he's like, oh yeah, so... You're talking about the pods, right? And I was like, oh, perfect. Thank you so much. And then he was he looked at me like so confused. Why are you so excited right now? I was like, finally, we have a word, pod. But anyways, so yeah, the, the, the pods. The funny thing is those pods weren't looking like pods or eggs 
uh, at the beginning in, in the in the first concept it was kind of a very alien tendril like structure that emerged from under the bridge and reached out to the space because that was a concept like okay this thing reacts to the people around it because it's you know everyone is one everything is one organism and this you know this art installation responds to the other let's say sub organisms around it but then when we actually had someone join us in the team with an experience in woodworking and, and construction so eventually we had to of course get more team members on board i showed him the the concept so tuan was his name and he looked at it and he for, at, at first he was just nodding and smiling like okay cool yeah so you want me to make this hmm nice and then eventually i think he had the guts to tell me that i'm just batshit crazy like this is not going to happen you know that this is not possible like what do you mean you want these tender like things like how we're not going to make this so i think that's that's just how it works you get the people on board that are going to help you make this thing come to life but at the same time they will have a say in how things go one because they're the ones with experience and how to actually bring it to life and two everyone has a piece of ownership in the end and i think that's the most important part especially when it comes to art projects i really like the the concept of having an art collective where everyone is an artist in some way and and contributes as opposed to the more archaic okay you know there's going to be this artist this artist hired engineers but it's going to be that artist's name on the front cover in every single article and every whatever even though you know the engineers did all the not to hate on 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 you know different artists but in this case i really enjoyed that the whole team could add something to the concept and shape it together i have to agree with you if you see it also in science um we do have papers that have 2000 3000 names on them because mm. it is impossible to find for example a boson without having a team of technicians engineers it's all of these people that will make a thing come to life and i think that mm. the size of your project was enough that you really needed this kind of team and i would like to return to the team subject in a moment but before we yeah. before we leave the technical bits i have one more question how did you put it up how did we hang it up yes because it do, it does sound to me I, i don't know i wasn't there but it does sound to me yeah. like a very difficult process these things look very heavy yes yes <laughs> so for some reason we decided to make those eggs or blobs uh, or pods super smooth meaning they had no grip that was the the first kind of mistake we we made but however it, it that's just how it was supposed to look aesthetically but then when you're trying to carry such a huge thing it's hard to do that when you have to hang it you know many meters high in the middle of of nowhere so this is where you have things like okay unexpected costs because essentially what we had to do was we had to work with the construction managers of the building who helped us out and they were great and they hired someone to make custom scaffolds so so custom scaffolding that would be able to fit under the bridge where we were going to hang the the art piece but also stand on top of the staircase because the bridge is above a very big staircase that they added to the building meaning that this it's not just flat ground it's you know different leveled ground and you don't have there's no standard scaffold that works with putting it on staircase that doesn't exist right at least at that scale 
So they had to custom build a scaffold for this purpose. So that's partly where our costs went up. And then we had to somehow bring all the, the pods and the artworks onto that scaffold. Fortunately, or luckily enough, the Techman building kept one of its, I don't know what you'd call it. I don't know. Maybe you guys know, but it's like a, they have these two cranes on the ceiling that was that have always been there because it used to be a chemical facility. And this, these cranes could move along this, the top of the ceiling of the building. Oh, it's like the vertical elevator thingies. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And on that would be a giant hook. And then I guess they used to use it back then to pick up heavy equipment. So they would bring the crane down. They could pick it up and then move it along throughout the building because the building is one long kind of building. So and they actually decided to keep that um, function when they renovated the building because they wanted to keep old and new. So we contacted them and said, hey, have you used that crane at any point recently? And they said, no, we haven't. But we know someone that really wants to use it. And we said, hey, okay, that's perfect because we want to somehow put these things onto this, you know, elevated up. Uh, so that guy was totally excited, uh, totally willing to help us. And we ended up using a very old piece of that building to install this very new thing. So that, I think that was quite a, a nice uh, story there. Sounds like you were saved by somebody's enthusiasm <laughs> for the machine. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Oh, that's really yeah. cool. And for those people interested, you can actually watch a three-minute video on YouTube, which is called The Making of Neuro Automata, which shows actually the making of this entire art installation. From the very beginning to the very end, it shows how these yeah. pods were built, part of the team members who were actually working on this, the installation process with the crane included that we just spoke about. So if you guys are interested, go check that out. Uh, I have to say, I, I saw that video, I have watched the video, and the faces of the people, they, they were looked really stressed when they were putting it on the crane. <laughs> you could see that there there's something can go wrong over there, it's so sure. Yeah, I mean, if you drop one of those pods, I mean, that, that's just, that would be tragic. So that nothing could go wrong. But everything is correct and tested, and it's standing there for a couple of years now, so I hope we don't have any... One year, okay. It's standing there for a year, year and yeah. nothing has gone wrong. So it passed <laughs> the, 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 the one-day yeah. test. It passed the one-year yes. test. Yeah. We're happy about it. You said before, and I, I said I wanted to come back to this, about the team. Because it's also one aspect of Design Lab that really shines through this project. And it is how big the team was, how rotating it was, and how it managed to, you know, you know, come together and make something really mm. this big also in time scale because that went beyond the time scale of somebody's tenure on uh, design lab right mm -hmm. so who was in the team uh so i would love to read out all the names i, th I think but i just i think i need to get a list for that okay let's I'll, let's, I'll let's change someone. the question <laughs> who started <laughs> who are the people who started the team well, we started off uh, with a group of six people. And in, in when we made that team or when I, I kind of put that team together, I tried to make sure that we had one person from each aspect of the installation. So someone from industrial design, someone from biomedical engineering. So we actually had someone in that field, someone from, you know, electrical engineering, computer science, that kind of thing, just so that we could create the concept. And then the next phases after that, I had to go and find people that could actually, uh, you know, put their skills in practice and, and build this thing. 
so we started off with six and eventually the team came i think 14 people 15 i think towards the end we just had a lot of people join us who we were very lucky as well fortunate to have uh, jasper being one of them thank you very much uh, who also made the, mo- the after movie by the way but we went and asked just random people or dream teamers, you know, uh, people, part of the family. And we said, you know, we need help. So can anyone help us? And sometimes those things would just be very uh, mundane things, right? Like sometimes it was just a lot of work, but you had to just go and stitch something together for hours, right? So luckily people were still very willing to help us. And it, it's almost it's almost like a miracle because even from the beginning, I knew that the team would switch out because this was going to be like a one to two year project. But I think what held it together was having that group of three or four people that were there from the very beginning all the way till the end to make sure that we the, the concept stays the same or, or that we keep the concept together, that, that the, the original passion is still there. Because as students, of course, you know, things happen. You go on an internship or you start your thesis, you get busy. And then when we had to build this thing at the very end, that was like weeks of full-time almost, full-time work. So I think we were also lucky in the sense that the, the people that were there could set aside their studies just for that small period of very intense work to make this thing happen. Edo, do you have any idea what the longest streak of all-nighters was for any of the members in this team? The longest streak? They were all-nighters? Oh, Yes. Multiple mean, days in a row? So, assuming you could have, uh, what, max three yeah, hours of sleep yeah. or something? Let's call those naps. Or... <laughs> <laughs> naps, okay. Uh, let's see. So, the last two nights were definitely just... So, the last two days, I think. But we had to hang it all up. That was definitely just two in, the, in a row. I, I guess maybe four? Four or five, maybe? <laughs> of all-nighters? Okay. Yeah, it was... Yep. Uh, it was very hellish. That, that is yeah, some some bad. level of uh, you know sticking together over there. <laughs> yeah, I think I think we still have like a two crates of Club Mata. No, I think four or something of Club Mata. Um, sorry if I'm not saying it right. Mate Mata. Sorry to the joke. Uh, sure. Yeah, uh, <laughs> it's it's basically like a natural source of caffeine. It's like a tea, I think. Yeah, it has a lot of caffeine. Car- so. Carbonated black tea. Carbonated black tea, there you go. And it is like once... Yeah. Anybody who hasn't drank Club Mate, please go and do that. And anybody yeah. who hasn't drank it, it's basically uh, one bottle of that is about three espressos, to my understanding. Club yeah. Mate, please sponsor our next episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we do We do take sponsorships. Yeah. But that's, that's how we made it through. We just kept drinking those that, that Club Mate. Well, I think that this is basically... To me, that sounds like acute stress. Like you took on mm. a very stressful project, but it does not sound like this was stressful from beginning to end. Nobody would stand to go through this kind of stress for a year. This sounds like mm-hmm. this kind of last week before the project where everybody's coming together and you don't sleep and it's okay. It's, it's fine. For that week, you just go through hell and afterwards you just, I don't know, uh, go to bed for a day and that is fine. Yeah. Because th- there is this kind of, um, accomplishment that you can feel afterwards. And I think that this is yeah, definitely. the kind of stress that is really healthy and is really good. And it, yes. you know... Yes, I could agree. Makes diamonds. Um, yeah. So one thing that I do really realize from your uh, from, from you talking about your team all this time is like there was a very diverse skill set. 
and that mm-hmm. this skill set was at least partially very technical. Did you have all of, mm. did you find all of these people inside the UT? Yeah, so we let's let's see I need I need to think about this. So we did a lot of the actually most of the team was from within the dream team, but the dream team is very broad and in, in background so that really helped. I will say though that our lead construction guy, he actually had a back uh how would you say that he had a previous education um in and now i need to know what the dutch system is again but he went to section yeah applied sciences indeed and i really think it's actually his background in applied sciences and at section where he learned the skills that was the reason we could take what we have had on paper and put it you know make it come to life because he had so much experience and and he had such an intuition about how to go about things even though for him everything was new like he's never done any of the stuff he did for this project but just having the capacity and the intuition i think to handle that unknown that unknowingness of it i th- i think is the reason why it it actually exists now in the techmed center and so that makes me think a lot about because so easily we say okay at the university we are a higher level or something or you know it, it it's more expensive so there's like a privilege to it right if you can go to university at the same time though i i really just see it as two different types of skill sets that you develop and now in this project i think yeah i don't know what we would do without our without twan this is this is a for twan if he's listening in yeah i i think at least to me it has this conversation here is really covered all of the aspects that I was curious about the eye catcher because I have to say that the moment you walk into the building you don't think that oh a bunch of students came together and made it it looks really mm-hmm. professional really polished really interesting really artistic and it's one of the things that really made me think that there's something special in design lab so thank you very much for all of your time and your stories that you, you shared with us Is there anything that you would like to add as a closing for this interview? Um No, I think I think it's just I love the fact that as a university they commissioned this art project. I think it says something about how we want to think differently even as scientists that we welcome new perspectives that we're willing to get out of our comfort zone. So because a lot of people in the techmed building when I talk to them and I'm saying, you know, I'm here to fix the eye catcher and then they go oh that art thing that the art thingy i'm like yeah yeah the art thingy yes so and i know they don't mean anything by it but it's in in many ways or like in many cases you have art which is kind of a separate thing put to the side right but i think it's just part of i think the ambition and the mindset that you need to have when you're doing an art project is in many ways similar when you're doing your research or when you need to if you want to innovate you need to think differently and you need to deal with the unknown and take risks but also be inspired somehow and and build that together with other people. Well, I also found out that you are currently in the process of finishing your studies yes. and leaving the design lab the dream team, right? Yeah. Okay, yeah. so we will all be very sad to have you gone and oh. <laughs> yeah. And thank you for It's going to be hard. Everything yeah. you have done so far. And as this podcast has come to an end, we would like to extend our thanks to everybody who has helped us make it possible, as well as the great team 
from the Neurodomata project. From project team Design Lab. Lubo, Diana, Tom, Patrick, Andre, Siddharth, Twam, Edwin, Emil, Jasper Sebastian, Anamik, Jorik, Stefan, Town, Vanilla, Edo, Wout. From supporting staff from TechMed Center, Gerd, Remke and the management team, Rob, Zef. The external contractors, Hierald from Dura van Meer Onderhoud and Innovatie, Maurice from Bambau and Technique. And a special thanks to Norbert, Peter and colleagues from Horst Model Workshop, André, Jost and colleagues from Campus and Facility Management, Sip, Robert and colleagues from TCO, Alfred from SmartXP, Eric, Miriam and Operational from the Design Lab, Crane, Dirk and Bogdan from the Dream Team, Daniele and colleagues from INK, Hinke, Marain and Roger from, and, and colleagues from the Natalis production team, Robin and colleagues from SIPA workgroup, Hank from Lisa, Eric, Benny, Joost, Eline, Esther and Arthur from TechMed Center.